coming to the table today. And I want to title this message, Wonder Bread. Wonder Bread, by the way, is 101 years old. Started in 1921. Uh, and the reason they called it Wonder Bread is because they sliced it. They didn't have sliced bread before that. Uh, you know, someone said there's nothing new since sliced bread. Well, that's only 100 years old. And they just couldn't figure out how to cut it without smashing it and putting it in there. But they found the right chemicals. <coughs> anyway, they, uh, that was Wonder Bread. 100 years ago was the beginning of sliced bread. Before that, you had to slice it yourself. And uh, that's pretty cool. But the real, the real Wonder Bread is Jesus. That's my whole sermon. You can go home. <laughs> so we're coming out of the, uh, if we could throw the picture of the tabernacle up from bird's eye view. We're coming, uh, we were out, can I call it, we were out in the yard. And you have the brazen altar where the sacrifices are made and the laver where they would wash their hands and feet, and we've preached about that already. And now we're about to go through the doorway, and who's the door? There's a door here, there's a door here, there's a door here, because he is the way, the truth, and the... And we're going to go through these doors into this, uh, in, into this, and... Um, Actually, you go through the door and the communion table's to the right and the candelabra to the left, and this blocks the door into the Holy of Holies. But we're, we're, coming, we're coming out of the yard and into the house. If you're saved, you have access to the yard. But I, I want to come by here and tell you this morning that there's more than just the yard. It's more than being on the property. It's more than just having the ability and the right now to go to heaven. It's not about, oh, I got my ticket stamp, now I can go to heaven. How many, more, how many know there's more than the yard? There's a house on the yard, and there's a place in the house for us to go. Here we are forgiven. Here we are washed. But there's more there's life. He said, Jesus said, I've come to give you life and that abundantly. And he wasn't talking about heaven just. He's talking about right here and right now. So we go into what's called the holy place. This thing is uh, 15 foot wide, 30 foot deep. And it's divided in half, of course, with the holy holies in the back. So this is a 15 by 15 foot area with the three pieces of furniture incorrectly placed there before you. There's a few things you need to understand, and that is from here, we go from natural light to candle light. We go from natural light to candle light. And I think a lot of Christians, even though they're saved, are still living under natural light. They don't have the power tools of the Spirit. I call them Amish Christians. 
They operate with hand tools. They're in the natural light. They're, they're saved, but they're not operating in the supernatural. They're saved, but they're not walking in the spirit realm. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? I mean, no, it's possible to be saved, but not walk in the spirit realm and not walk in the supernatural realm. So we need to go from, can, from, from, from natural light of the sun to the candlelight. And the candlelight comes from the oil of the spirit. Ha, hallelujah. We need the, the, it's the oil of the Spirit that brings light to the room, to that 15 by 15 foot room. There's no switch. <laughs> you, have to, you have to have the oil of the Spirit running through those candelabra lamps. We'll talk about that next week, so we don't want to get into that, but we need that oil. Uh, and in fact, the oil was, the oil for the lamp was placed right on the communion table, right on the communion. It was, you know, it was always there. So they can, the priest could keep that lamp. How many know you got to keep your lamp fed? Got to keep your lamp fed. So we go from light, from from natural light to the light there. And and I want you, I want you to see something else here. Uh, we also notice that fewer people now are allowed in. You 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 have to be you have to be uh, Jewish to go to the outer court. But you have to be a priest to go into the next stage. And I think that's true when, you know, when Jesus says narrow is the way and few they are that find it. As we get closer to God, people start falling away. That, that might be why we're not running a thousand. I don't know. Because as we go deeper, there's more and more people saying, hmm, I like the yard. I'm, I'm going to heaven, and that's all I care about. So there's fewer and fewer people as we get closer and closer to God. You need to understand that as you get closer to God, some of your friends will drop off. Some of your so-called friends will drop off. There'll be people at work who won't want anything to do with you. And the closer you get to God, you're like, you're thinking, oh, my God, you know, everyone's going to love me because I'm so close to Jesus. No. Closer you get to God, the weirder you get, I guess. I don't know. But as we get closer to God, people start dropping off. Not everybody wants to go where you're going. Here's something else. To get into the outer court, you have to, what does it say? Enter his gates with, mm -hmm, and his courts with. Okay, so it's pra praise gets you in the yard. It's, it's the gates of praise. It's the courtyards of, of thanksgiving. We'll reverse that. Okay, that, that, that's how we come into his presence. But this is not the place of praise. This is the place of worship. I want you to remember something. The Bible says, All, everything that hath breath. Does that mean sinners can praise the Lord? It may not do them any good, but they can praise the Lord. How many know your pet dog has breath? Doesn't it say that all creation praises? The branches wave, the rivers run. Uh, 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 there's, there's all, even creation praises God. But when it comes to worship, Jesus told the woman at the well, they that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. Amen. 
Did you hear what I'm saying? All, everything that hath breath can praise the Lord, but not anybody can worship. And you're not worshiping God unless you're worshiping in spirit and in truth. Can I dare say that, that there may be Christians that have never really worshiped God? There may be some that haven't even praised him. But there's a difference between praise and worship. That's another whole series. But they've come into their purpose now. Let my people go so they may worship me. Not let my people go so they can get some free land. (laughs) Let my people go so they can worship me. God saved you so you will so you can worship him. Amen. He delivered you so you can worship him. He brought you out of bondage so you can worship him. It makes a difference. Amen. He blessed you. He healed you. He touched you. He answered your prayer so you can worship worship him. We've come to our purpose. They went through their baptism in the Red Sea. They went to the, they went to the outer court and they went to the altar of, of the brazen altar and they paid the bills and washed themselves in the fount. And now they go in to the holy place. It is, three things, it is a place of power. It is a place of power. This place is different than the outer court. This place is a place of power. I like Psalms 91, and verse 1 and verse 7. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow. See, now you have a roof over your head. Now when it rains, you're dry. When the wind blows, you don't feel that. When it's hot, when it's cold, amen, it's all kind of conditioned in there. You see, something happened as you went because in the outer court, it's noisy. There's animals being slaughtered. There's, there, all that, there's hundreds of people milling about. There's blood spurting. It's, 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 it's cold at night and hot during the day, and it's, and it's, and it's bloody, and it's noisy. And you're exposed to the elements. But you go through that, you go to that curtain and you pull it and you walk and you step into a place and you shut the door behind you and the noises are gone and the temperature changes and you're not being rained on anymore. Oh, glory to God. You're not exposed anymore and you've had your hands washed and you're in a clean place and you're in a wholesome place and you're in a safe place. And all the noise and confusion and chaos is out there. But you're in there with. Do you understand why this is messing me up? You're now in the holy place, the secret 
place. Verse 7, you can read the whole 91st Psalm. It's all about this, but I picked this verse 7. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall, come, it shall not come near you. And someone say, well, I prayed that and it didn't happen. Well, you don't get verse 7 unless you're in verse 1. He that dwells in the... Where do you live? If you wake up on Sunday morning and lay there in your bed and have to decide whether or not you want to come to church, you're outer court. Well, it's raining today. Oh, my God, the excuses. And I'm not fussing at people who have legitimate reasons for not being in church on Sunday morning. Okay. I'm talking to people who have who don't understand priorities and have not really put God first. Thank you for those two hand clapes. There might have been an attempt at three. I'm not sure. You don't get verse 7 unless you're living in verse 1 because (laughs) it's a place of power when you come under covering. Well, I'm just reminded of, uh, of a, uh, will you all stay with me if I preach an hour and a half? Nobody from the back row said a word. Careful. No, I'll be, I'll be all right. There's a place where this man would not repent. Remember Paul in the Corinthian church? And he wouldn't repent. And Paul says, cut him off from the church. Now, that's no big deal anymore anymore, because they'll just go to another church. But it was a big deal back then. It was a big deal. Because if you're not under the covering of the church, there's blessings and protection and power that you can't receive. Let me tell you something. It's, it, it's one thing to be saved. It's something else to be undercover. Can I say it this way? There are certain blessings verse 7, that do not come to you unless you are undercover. That's why you can't be in rebellion in the church. You can't rebel against the pastor. You can't rebel against the vision and act like you, you're, you know it all. It doesn't matter if the pastor's right or wrong. Are you in rebellion or submission? I'm not saying this because we got a problem with this. I'm just saying this because tomorrow we might. You never know. When you are in rebellion against God's authority, he removes the cover. And I'm not saying you're going to hell. I'm saying you're missing out. There are blessings that come only when you're covered. This is why people get married, because there are blessings to the covenant relationship. This is why we've got to protect the covenant of marriage in our society because there are blessings that come when you do it right and you're undercover. Am I right? I like what the Bible says. If you bring bring a prophet a glass of water, you shall in no wise lose your reward. He said you'll get the reward you'll get the reward of a prophet. So what does that mean? Does that just mean 
that, that he blesses you? No. What it means is there are certain blessings that only prophets can release. And when you bless the prophet, you get the prophet's There should be 20 people rushing up here to give me a glass of water right now. (laughs) Okay. We'll consider you blessed. Amen. (laughs) I don't know. Did he drink out of that? I don't know. I don't know if that's a blessing or not. I don't know know where that bottle's. Okay, anyway. (laughs) We need to be under cover. To receive. Same thing with tithing. People want to say, oh, you know, you're tithing, you're under a curse. I don't know about all that. But I do know this. If you tithe, it releases certain blessings that you wouldn't get otherwise. Listen, this is where we got to start. We need to get under cover. And that releases, if we do verse 1, verse 7 is released. And all the other verses of chapter 91, the soldier's psalm. 91, amen. There are benefits to covering. They were covered by the cloud by day and the fire by night. Why? Because the sun beat down in the desert, but a cloud. They had constant shade. And at night when it got cold, they all got around the bonfire. Talk about air conditioning. That's the first example of air conditioning. God took care of them. Why? He covered them. Wow. But now he's asking us to come into the holy place. He's asking, and and it's not a place you visit. It's a place you live. Serving God is not a one-night stand. I heard a song the other day that said, I love you is not a pickup. It's never been a pickup line. Oh, y'all didn't get that. All right. I, probably none of you do pickup lines anymore. You probably shouldn't be doing pickup lines if, if you're married. You shouldn't even be thinking about that. I don't know why I thought about that. I've been married 46 years. <laughs> well, there's that. But if you're trying to pick up a woman in the bar, your pickup line is not, I love you. That's not going to work. you got to come up with something something snazzy. Amen. We need to quit coming up with cute little stuff and just get into the holy place and fall in love with Jesus again. Amen. We need to be in the habitation, not the visitation of the power of God. My God. Number two, it's, it's a place of protection. This place, this table, is a place of protection. Let's let's look at it in in Exodus um, chapter 25. Let's look at the table now. He said, you shall also make a table of acacia wood. Two cubits shall be its length, a cubit its width, and a cubit, and I know you don't know anything about cubits, a little bit smaller than this table. It's about three foot, through about three foot long, 18 inches wide, 27 inches high, it's about what it is, and it's made of two materials. It's made of wood. It's made of acacia wood, but it's covered in gold. Just like the altar. 
on the outside. It's made of wood, but it's covered in gold. Wood is always symbolic of humanity. And the gold is symbolic of deity. And it's symbolic of Jesus, who was 100% human and 100% God. The wood, I want you to get this because the wood, before it can become a table, has to be cut down. You can't just grow in your little forest. If you're going to serve God and come into the holy place and start dwelling with him, you've got to be cut down from your pride, cut down from your sinful ways. You must be cut down and reformed. If you want to become the table, you have to allow yourself to be reformed. And that's what he does. But we're covered in gold because wood will burn. You say, well, the gold melts. Yeah, but it's still gold. When you burn the wood, it turns to ash. Aren't you glad he could turn beauty from ashes? But we're covered in gold. We're still human, but we now walk about in the image of God. We were made in the image of God. We go through fire, and it's, and it, it's hurtful, and, and there's, these are hard places sometimes, and we may feel like we're melting, but mm, gold is gold before the fire, and gold is gold after the fire. It cannot change the nature of the gold. And when you go through a trial, you're coming out as gold. You may come out in a different form, but you're still gold. Come on, praise. Give God a crazy, crazy praise. Amen. Overlay with pure gold, right? Make a, a molding of gold all around. You shall make it uh, uh, for a frame of a hand breadth. There's a, there was a, a kind of a guardrail around it so the bread didn't fall off. A gold molding for the time for the frame all around. And you shall make for it four rings of gold. That's for the staves, so they can carry the table. And you make the, and that's how you make the poles. And even the poles were, even the thing that carries you is covered in gold. Woo. And the dishes and the pans and the pitchers and the bowls for pouring uh, make all them of gold. Everything God gives you is gold. Mm-hmm. And you shall, and you shall set the showbread uh, on the table. Uh, before me always. It's called the table of showbread. Show. It's, and one interpretation is it's the table of faces. The table of faces. We're at a table. It's not about the table. It's about the faces. We're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And God's face is always on us. When you're at the table, you're always in his presence. You need to find a way to get to the table. Can I get an amen? You need to find a way to get to the table. That's it. Leviticus 24, verse 5. You see, I'm sweating. That doesn't happen too often. You shall take fine flour. Fine, Say fine flour. That means really. How many know there's a difference between all-purpose flour 
and, and bake 12 cakes with it. Two-tenths of an ephah, that, that's one gallon of flour per cake. You shall set them in two rows, six in a row, on the pure gold table before the Lord. And you shall put pure frankincense on each row, that it may be on the bread for a memorial, an offering made by fire to the Lord. When the fire hits it, you smell the frankincense. Every Sabbath, say every Sabbath, he shall set it in order before the Lord continually, being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant. And it shall be for Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in a holy place. For it is most holy to him from the offerings of the Lord, made by fire by a perpetual statuette. So every Friday night, they would put six loaves over here, six loaves over here. I couldn't find 12 loaves this morning. And they would, they would put them there, and they would be there for a week, and then they would take them out, and they would eat them after, the, after those seven days. But there was always, always, always bread on the table. Aren't you glad there's always, uh, always bread on the table? And listen, I like this. The, every Friday night, it was baked and put on just before the Sabbath. How many know this is the Sabbath? And every time you come to church, we're giving you fresh bread. Is that good? Come on. They tell me I preached 4,300 sermons here. Didn't repeat any of them. Fresh bread every week. Come on. We can't, we can't, we can't do a refired message. We can't just throw something together. We've got to hear from the Lord. We need fresh bread. That's why you need to be here every week or you miss your... Fresh bread. Are you getting me? It's time for the fresh bread. It's a place. It's a place of uh, of protection. I'm getting it. I'm getting ahead of myself. It's all number three. And finally, it's a place of provision. It's our daily bread. Deuteronomy uh, chapter eight and verse three says, "So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, 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 nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by that." How many know it's proceeding word? It's not just what's written in the book; it's a proceeding word from the mouth of the Lord. Wow, it's our daily bread. You know, John chapter 3, uh, chapter 6, verse, verse 32, Jesus said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Verse 47 says this, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has, I am the, your fathers ate the man in the wilderness, and they're dead. This is the bread which comes down from that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Wow. Wow. It's a prepared table. You know Psalms 23. 
He prepares a table. It's a prepared table. God doesn't do anything by chance. It is a, come on, a prepared table. Whew. Everything you need is, you got, you got the oil, and this is the, the, this is the incense here, and, and, the, and, and you would have six loaves, unleavened, unleavened bread stacked up here. It's a place of provision, protection, a place of power. He says, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies, in the middle of a war, in the middle of an attack, Whew. in the middle of all this coming against me. And some of you here are facing a lot of confusion and a lot of situations and a lot of junks coming your way. But I'm here to tell you there's a chair and a prepared table. And you can sit at the table. How many know that's that's where families gather? That that that's where we 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 feel at peace. That that that's where we're fed and nourished. It's a it's unless you all fight at the table. <laughs> it's supposed to be a peaceful place. There's a place prepared for. Remember, Jesus said, "I go to prepare a." He has a place prepared in heaven, but more importantly, right now, he has a place prepared for you here, and it's in the holy place, and there's a table spread where the saints of God are fed. In the presence of my enemies, Mephibosheth thought he was going to die. He thought King David would kill him because he was the last surviving heir of King Saul. But David said, come on, Mephibosheth, take off those old clothes and put on kingly robes, and I'm going to treat you just like one of my sons. And I'm going to seat you at the table. If you see him anywhere else, he's crippled. But when he's sitting at the table, he looked like everybody else. We're all equal at the table. We all sit equal at the table. And he said, I'm going to, he said, you shall eat at the king's table forever, eternally. How many know that made Mephibosheth feel very safe? And accepted and loved. I'm here to tell somebody needs to know. He's got a table for you. We need to preach salvation. I understand that. But how many know we need to go beyond the outer court? And some of us, Pastor, I need to get more of you to figure out what the table is and how to live there. How to abide at his table whew, and be fed and nourished and blessed all the days of your life. There is a secret place. Go through the scriptures and look up secret place and just read all those scriptures and the word will teach you about the secret place. Come on up, worship team. 
I, I want to share one more thing that's been on my heart for a couple weeks now. How many know Jesus spent a lot of his ministry around a table? You know, if you think about it, you know, it'd probably be a good sermon series. Go through every situation where Jesus was at a table and just preach that. His ministry started at a wedding. How many know he was around a table? How many times during the ministry was he at a table? Before the crucifixion, he's at a table. After the resurrection, he's at a table. On the road to Emmaus, they figured out who he was when they got to the table. Sometimes you can walk with him and not know you're even walking with him. But if you'll come to the table, if you'll come to the secret place, you'll find him there. But what's been messing me up lately is, again, we preach it so many times, is that woman who comes with the alabaster box full of Tootsie Rolls. I got to lighten this up or I'm going to go. And it was a room full of men where she wasn't allowed. And, and she was a sinner. Another reason she's not allowed. But she pushed her way in. She didn't care what those old, old white men thought. She just pushed her way in. He said, I don't know about you. I don't care what you think. I've got to get to Jesus. And she brought her alabaster box, and they didn't have banks back then. That was her, that was her bank. Some say she was a harlot, and she say, that was her retirement money. That was, she was, that's all she had. That was, someday she was going to break that and retire and, and Live comfortably. Can you imagine giving that much? And the box was often sealed. It wasn't like a, well, kind of like a piggy bank. You could put things in, but it's hard to get it out. That represented her praise. She broke her bottle. She broke her bottle of praise over Jesus, washed his feet with her hair, her glory. And somebody said, why this waste? Why this waste? This, this, could, have been, this could have been spent, we, you know, we could have spent this on the poor. You know, Judas didn't care about the poor. Jesus said, you'll always have the poor. Do what you can when you can. But watch what, watch what he, oh, my God, this is tearing me up. Why this waste? And young people, someday you'll get where I, I know you think you're going to live forever. 
but one day you're going to look like me. It ain't a pretty sight. You're going to feel like me. You're going to get, one day you're going to get there. You're going to start looking back because you've got a whole lot of time behind you than you got ahead of you. And you begin to look back. And it still blows my mind. We were at a conference yesterday and people were coming up and congratulations on 40 years at the same church. And it still blows my mind because I've wasted. And you have to, you've wasted, just threw your whole life at him. You broke the bottle of praise, laid it at his feet and said, God, I'm not cautious about this. I'm not being careful about this. I want to be with you and I don't care what it costs because I know what it costs you. Why this waste? It's not a waste because of what he paid. And when you realize what he paid for you, it's not a waste. I thought about maybe putting that on the tombstone, but I'm afraid people would misunderstand it. Bruce Phillippe wasted his life. <laughs> but I guess I did. I wasted it on Jesus. I haven't done anything else except when I was a little younger and all I did then was do, I, I just did drugs, so that wasn't, you know. <laughs> My whole life, been saved almost 50 years now, 40, 47 years, 48 years. My God, wasted on Jesus. She comes to the table. Breaks her alabaster box, pours it on him, washes his feet. How many are wasted on Jesus? How many of you are willing to come out of the yard, come into the house, gather around the table? And eat what's put before you. Just eat what's put before you. Would you stand with me? Thank you, Jesus. Oh. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Ah, uh, sense his presence. My God. Come on, think about it. How many of you are wasted on Jesus? How many of you are willing to be cut down and reformed in the image of Christ? 
coming into his presence. Wasted on Jesus and just living off the table. I want to encourage everyone to go to the table. But I also want to pray, and maybe after you go to the table, you can come to the center and we'll pray with you. But whatever you're facing today, and somebody's facing something horrific, and I don't know who you are, but God knows what you're going through right now. And if you'll just pour yourself on Him, pour everything out on Him, there isn't anything God can't do. Go home and read Psalms 91 today. Read the entire psalm and and hang on to the promises He gives you in that powerful. But remember, those promises come when you find the secret place and you dwell with Him. Let's begin to come to the altar. I mean, come to the table. And also come to the altar if you need prayer. We'll pray with you. But let's move right now. Let's begin to worship Him. Come on, don't be in a hurry to leave. Would you just stick around a little bit? Stick around. Let's see what God's up to. Come to the table. And if you need prayer, come. We'll pray with you. Ah, hallelujah. Jesus, we praise you. Come on, it's a powerful moment. Yeah. 